Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. I wanted to just be, you know, a bit real and a bit vulnerable and let you know this morning one of my um, biggest flaws in life. Now, this is something that uh, my friends uh, and my family members have to show me a lot of patience with um, every day of my life, actually. Um, And it's one of those things, you know, when you go to an interview and you kind of have like the question that everyone knows is coming what are some of your strengths and what are some of your weaknesses? Now, this is, this is something that I conveniently miss out when they come to the weaknesses part because it's something that they probably wouldn't really think was ideal um, to have around their workplace. And what I'm speaking about is my tendency to leave things everywhere. I will leave things everywhere, whether it's at church, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, wherever it is, I have a tendency to lose my things and leave them everywhere. Now, if you find keys around today, um, just bring them to me. They're probably mine. Um, If you find a wallet, it's probably mine as well. They won't be in the same spot. They'll be on opposite ends of the church. I don't know why, but that's just how my brain works. Now, this has got so bad that um, I was sitting in the car the other week and my friends that were in the car with me were all telling their own individual stories about when I had lost something that didn't even make sense. For example, the other week I was going to the beach with some friends and um, so I drove, you know, most of the way down my street and my street's got a good bend in it as well. So I'd gone past the bend and I was down most of the way and all of a sudden I realised I don't have my phone thinking because I was out for the whole day, I should probably just go back and get my phone. I wasn't that far from home. I went back and I went inside and I picked up the home phone to try to find my phone because we only actually use the home phone to find our real phones, right? So I, I call my home, I call my mobile and um, I can hear in my car that the Bluetooth is ringing my phone because obviously I left my keys in the car. Why take them out? So I can hear that my phone is ringing from the car. So I'm like, cool. It was in the car the whole time. That's fine. I go to my car. Turns out they weren't in my car. They were on top of my car. Um, my phone was actually sitting nicely on my roof waiting for me to find it. Um, so that was, you know, good that I found that. Um, another great example of this was a couple of years ago when I went to Indonesia. And so you walk through those big silver doors at Melbourne Airport. And when you go in, there's a spot to the left where you have to fill out a slip. Um, and this includes like your passport number, your, you know, your name and a few other details. So you need this in your passport to be able to get through the next stage towards your flight. So I get out my passport, fill everything out, it's all good, line up, thinking I'll be, you know, a good, a good member of the line and get my things ready before I get to the front, start getting things ready and I realise, oh, where's my passport gone? We were literally two minutes into our trip and I had already lost my passport. So it's fair to say that my friends had to show me a lot of patience in that moment and they continue to show me a lot of patience every day. Um, But the Bible actually speaks quite a bit about how we should approach other people's flaws and how we should approach other people um, with this. And what we're going to look at today is a parable um, that comes from Matthew 18, and it's the parable of the unforgiving servant. Now, for those of you that um, haven't you know, been around church for a long time or just haven't really ter- heard the term parable before, all that this is, is it's a story, and Jesus told a lot of these, um, and it's a story that I suppose, emphasises a moral point or emphasises a spiritual lesson um, that he's trying to get across. Now, it's going to come up on the screens. 
I'm feeling very tech savvy today with this clicker. It's a height, reaching new heights for me. So Matthew 18, verse 21 to 35, it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus, and Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 time, 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay his master, he, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a good God, Lord. Lord, this morning we pray that you'll open our hearts to hear what you have to say, God. Open our ears to, be, to hear what you have to say to us. And God, we pray that this morning that we will learn something new of you, Father, that you will give us a revelation from you, that you will change our hearts in this place this morning, God. We thank you that you are with us and we pray that you bless us in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Awesome. So I just want to do a little bit of an experiment to get started. So I'm going to need a little bit of interaction. Um, Now, all that I'm going to ask you to do is to raise your hand. um, So it's not too scary. But the question that I have for you is, um, if you have strengths, so characteristic wise, not like pumping at the gym, like if you have characteristic strengths, can you please raise your hand? Just so you are aware, everybody should probably be raising their hand right now. All right, great. You can put it down. Okay, now, can you please raise your hand if you also have weaknesses? Again, everybody should probably be raising their hand. Xander, I know you have weaknesses. You're a great friend, but your hand should be up. (laughs) So, okay, cool. So, sorry. So, that's great, though, because we can establish now that A... We are all human, and B, we are not God. So I'm, I'm relieved that we can all acknowledge this now, um, Christian or non-Christian, right here, we all have flaws. We are human, we have flaws, right? So that's a relief because it means that, you know, today's message will be relevant for you. But because we all have flaws, it means that we're probably bound to have conflict in life as well. And trust me, this is coming from someone that hates conflict. When there's conflict, I will run in the other direction. I hate it. But I've come to learn that believing that we're not going to have conflict in life is almost like still believing in Santa Claus because it's a great idea, but when you look at the facts, it's somewhat unrealistic, right? It can start with the smallest things like pet hates. Everyone has pet hates. 
you know the, you know when you're sitting down to a dinner and um, there's those people that like pick off everyone's plates? You know those people? Yeah, I'm definitely one of those people. Um, but I like to claim that it is a learnt behaviour from my sister because she is at least 10 times worse. Right, but what my sister will do is we'll be sitting down and she's a really slow eater. Like, I think it's a gift because I will never fully understand how she does this. But we are quite, the rest of the family is quite fast. So we'll be done. And there's Sarah, my sister, eating nice and slowly, letting her dinner go cold. And she's got the best part of her meal saved until last. But we all know that as good as that bite is of that meal... To enter into that conflict is just not a good idea because that is one of Sarah's pet hates. If you steal her food, well, she can steal yours and there should be no problems. If you steal hers, it's like the end of the world, right? One of my pet hates is the butter. So the butter has this, like dairy soft butter, has this amazing um, ability to be able to look like a beautiful clean hill, right, on the side. When you go to the butter and it was beautiful before but someone's come and dug like crates out of it, that is a pet hate of mine. It's not that hard just to keep it smooth. Helps to spread it on the butt, on the, on the toast. I can feel some support. I'm loving it. Um, but obviously these are some pretty trivial things, right? Pet hates can be really just small things that can start conflict. But I am aware that there are also, there is also some conflict that can be a bit more significant. You know, maybe for you, maybe someone said something unfairly against you that has gone against your reputation. Maybe for you, you've had um, someone that's cheated on you. Maybe for you, you have a family member um, that won't, you know, that is holding something against you. Maybe at, at work, there's issues with someone. And maybe that, that forgiveness is really hard. And I'm aware that I'm still young and I'm aware that um, there are people here that will have gone through things that I couldn't even imagine, that would have had exposure to things that I couldn't even imagine. So my aim isn't to stand up here and to say, guys, forgive, it's easy, right? That's not my aim. But what I do think is important is that we look at what the Bible has to say about it. Because if that's what you're going to choose, then you need to be really careful about what you're actually choosing. So... I want to start by looking at the, um, the cost that the fellow servant owed. Now, to make it a little bit clearer, we're going to call one servant A and one servant B. Um, so in my slides, you'll see there they are their names. If you prefer it, we can call it servant Adam and servant Bob. Um, up to you whether you want to think of in, them in that way. But if we look at the cost that the, cost, serv- the cost that the servant B owed servant A, right? It was 100 denarii. Now, at the time that my source was written... This equals around about 12,000 USD, right? So when we look at it as 100 denarii, I don't know about you, but I kind of think like $100 and I think that's somewhat significant, but you know, it's not that much, right? When we look at the fact that 100 denarii actually cost 12,000 USD, and this is at the time that my source was written, so I thought, well, inflation's a thing, right? So I wonder what that would be now. So it goes up to 13,800. But of course, the US dollar is stronger than ours, so I thought, well, what would it be in AUS, just so we can be as accurate as possible. So 100 denarii at our current time should be around about $18,671, right? Kind of adds a little bit more perspective to it, doesn't it? Kind of makes it seem a little bit more significant. When I, can, when I see that, I kind of start to understand the servant that didn't forgive him a little bit more. But Now let's look at the price that the king forgave. So the cost of servant A, he owed the king 10,000 talents, right? 
So 1,000 talents was equivalent to around about $600,000. Now, after inflation, that's about $689,000, $687. I think I said that wrong, but that's okay. You can see it there. And one talent um, in AUS dollars is around about 932766 So that's one. Now, the king forgave 10,000 of these, right? So that's over $9 billion. Um, I, I'm not going to attempt to say that. Something like nine billion three hundred twenty-seven million. You can do the rest, um, right? But that is a big number, yeah. You know, a lot of people around about my age, um, a lot of my friends are starting to look at houses. Now, if you were to um, look at a house in Montana South area, around about this area, um, it would be for a standard like two, three-bedroom house, family home, around about eight hundred to nine hundred thousand dollars on average. Right? So this debt to me is intimidating enough. Like, that's intimidating for me. I don't want to even think about that yet because that's a lot of money, let alone over $9 billion, right? That's, that just seems impossible. So, sure, the servant initially had a pretty significant debt that was owed to him. But compared to the amount that he owed the king, that's when we start to say, oh, you wicked servant. Oh, you deserve it. You deserve to be thrown to the jailers. What were you even thinking, right? Now, I want to bring it back to us for a moment. I want you to picture with me, um, just, just go with me in your minds, just imagine with me, we're going to go through a really bad day. So I'm giving you the heads up so you don't feel too you know, emotional in the middle of it. Now, you wake up in the morning and... You wake up because there's construction next door, right? They've woken you up at 5.30, they've started early, so you're already mad. So it's pretty cold because we're in Melbourne, and so you get out of bed and um, you go to put your socks on, but you realise you haven't done your washing yet, so you don't have any socks. So you go to the, go to the fridge to get, you know, to, get the toast, to get the bread out so you can make some toast, but you realise because of the construction next door, the, the power's actually gone off. So now you've got no power, you're cold, and it's too early for you, right? So you go to the shops to get some milk because you were out of milk, and um, while you're at the shop, someone runs into the back of you. So now you've got a broken car, you're cold, you're hungry, and you're frustrated, right? It's not looking too good. Now you've got to be at work in an hour, so you go home, you have something to eat, you get ready, um, and then you go into work and you find out that um, the boss wants to have a word with you. So you go in hoping for a promotion and find out that actually um, the, the company's not doing too well, so you've lost your, lost your job, right? On the way home, a um, family member calls you and tells you that the dog that you love um, has actually passed away, um, and then you get home and you're not feeling too great, right? Now, thank goodness all of these events haven't occurred in one day for us, but even after a day like that, you know what the biggest problem for you is? Your biggest problem is still sin because you can spend time finding a new job. You can recover from the emotional trauma of the construction workers waking you up in the morning and eventually the house will be built. They're all problems that you can fix or that you can move on from. But sin is a problem that you actually can't fix. You can't fix that yourself. You see, if you've been in church for a while... You would know that 
um, you, well, you might have heard the, the scripture um, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's something that we talk about quite a lot because we as Christians know that we are not perfect and that we have all sinned, right? We all know that we have flaws. But is it possible that being in church for a while, hearing that over and over again, that we start to actually lose the weight of the price that Jesus paid? You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't validate our sin. He actually dealt with it. He didn't just validate it. He, he didn't say that it was okay. He didn't make it easy. He actually dealt with it and it cost him his life. He loved us so much that he gave his life for it, but not so that we could then take advantage of that, but so that we could point people towards him, right? So when we decide to point the finger at someone else and we hold bitterness against someone else, do we truly understand what Christ has done for us? Do we truly understand the debt that has been paid? See, if you haven't worked it out yet, um, the king is Jesus and the servant is us, right? So when we don't forgive, we're actually like this unforgiving servant. And I think that God looks at us when we don't forgive and looks at us thinking, well, that's irrational, like we looked at the servant saying, that's irrational. In comparison to the mercy that you've been shown, how could you not show mercy towards someone else? When we don't forgive someone, I think that God actually looks at us the, looks at us the same. See, the amazing thing about our God is that he, withhold, he withholds judgment. With the servant, he actually withheld judgment and then paid his debt, yeah. right? Being Christians, we need to extend that to others as well. We withhold judgment and we, let, and we forgive them of their, of their debt. You see, what was expected was for the servant to plea, right? It was expected for the servant to fall on his knees and say, I can't pay this, like, I, please don't, you know, he, everything that he was and everything that he had was on the line. So it was expected for him to plea, but what wasn't expected was what the king did and what Jesus has done for us, which isn't just saying, okay, I'll let you try and pay it back, even though it's obviously impossible, Right? But, and it wasn't just a, oh, oh, you know, pay half of it. You know, don't worry about half of it, pay half. Like, you know, we'll, we'll work out a deal. No, he actually wiped his slate clean. You see, what if we never saw people pass their sin? Another way of thinking about this maybe is what if they never saw you pass yours? You see, I love the way that, um, that this scripture starts, where it's, where it's got Peter and He's actually asking, you know, how many times do I forgive? Like seven times? Jesus is like, no, 70 times seven. You see, what you've got to understand is that at the time, um, the Jewish custom was actually three times. So to, it was actually three times that you had to forgive your brother before you kind of cast him aside, right? So Peter's coming in thinking like, I have got this. Like, Jesus, I get it. I've got the point. Like, look at me. I'm, I'm so like, you know, seven times. Like, I'm being so generous. I didn't only double it, but I added one as well. It's like, I am so excited. Like, seven times. Yeah? Jesus is like, 70 times seven. Now, what Jesus isn't doing is giving us a hard and fast number to mark off on our fridge when someone sins against us. He's not saying, get out a pen, have like, you know, a chart for each of your friends and, you know, just tick them off as you go, Right? What Jesus is doing is he's emphasizing his point to, to, to extend the generosity of the mercy that's been shown towards us, towards them. True forgiveness does not count sin. The Bible says that we love because Jesus first loved us, right? Well, we forgive because Jesus first forgave us. When we forgive, 
we're actually showing and extending that kindness to others, irrelevant of the measure of their debt, because no matter the measure of their debt, it's small in comparison to what we've been forgiven. Forgiving from our heart means that we're actually giving others room to grow. And just to um, back it up with a bit more scripture, because this is all through the Bible, (laughs) right? In Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. In 1 John 4.11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Colossians 3.13, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Matthew 6.12, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. The Bible's saying that if you choose not to forgive, you're actually choosing not to be forgiven. So please be really careful about what you are choosing. I'll tell you what true forgiveness isn't, right? You know that you haven't forgiven someone when, despite if you've said, I forgive you, you're, um, you're, like the, the one fight that you had suddenly becomes 10 fights in your head right? Or, you know, you, 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 I was talking to a friend the other day and she said, oh, you know what I do? You know what? I know that I haven't forgiven someone. She's like, I know I haven't forgiven someone when I'm standing in the shower and I realise I've just wasted 15 minutes of water because I've been having an argument with someone that wasn't even there, <laughs> right? You know that you haven't forgiven someone when you're having a conversation with them and all of a sudden there's these passive aggressive little sharp knives coming at them that you didn't even realise that you still held bitterness towards them. You realise that you haven't really forgiven someone when you don't want the best for them anymore or when they ask for your help and you don't want to give it to them. You know, the servant's unwillingness to forgive demonstrated that his heart hadn't been transformed by the mercy that was shown towards him. As Christians, have we forgotten how much God has given for us that we haven't actually had our hearts transformed by what he has done for us? You know... The servant B was hurt by this, right? He was thrown into jail. But servant A was hurt as well. The thing is, when we don't forgive someone, it can hurt them, but it will end up hurting you. If we hold bitterness, do we really understand the weight of our sin? And do we recognise that we're dependent on God? Because if we are choosing not to forgive someone, then we're choosing to live independent from what God has asked us to do. And we can't both live independent from him and independence with him, yeah. right? It doesn't actually make sense. So we need to recognise that we are dependent on him and let that impact and transform our hearts. Forgiveness isn't about what's been done against you. It's actually about what's been done for you. When we look at what the Bible says about this, James 2.13 For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Matthew 5.22 But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Matthew 18.34-35 which is what we've just read. And in his anger the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. You see, when it speaks about the jailers, what it's actually speaking about is eternal punishment. 
Now, I don't know about you, but if you were sitting in a jail cell, I don't know how you intend on paying off $9 billion, right? He put him into a spot where he was actually unable to pay that debt, right? It speaks about eternal punishment. And what that is, is hell. So we need to be really careful about what we're choosing. It doesn't seem to me like it's, you know, like a recommendation or like a loose kind of suggestion. It's actually required for us to forgive. When we choose not to forgive, it's kind of like sitting in a jail cell and you're sitting there and the guard's outside, but only you're holding the keys. The only thing is, is that you're so consumed by the four walls around you and by your circumstances that you don't even use it. Right? The thing about, about unforgiveness and bitterness is it has this um, capacity to stunt our growth. And I did gymnastics for about 10, 10 years, so I, I love gymnastics. But the thing about gymnastics is that it can actually, because of the pressure and the stress that you're placing on your body from doing so much training, it can actually stunt your growth. Now, I would like to blame this for the reason that I'm not tall, you know, much taller. Uh, my mum's about five foot 11. I didn't quite reach those heights. Um, I didn't do enough to have my um, growth stunted like that. But there is this story about these two girls that used to compete against my sister and they were identical twins, right? But what happened is at training, one of them actually broke their arm. And when they broke their arm, so they were identical, they were the same height. When she broke her arm, in the time that she wasn't training, she grew five centimetres taller than her sister purely from not doing gymnastics, right? There's, there's actually a lot of gymnasts that stop gymnastics and then after they stop, they grow, right? So because of the pressure and the strain that they're putting on their body, it's stunting their growth. Now, forgiveness works the same way. Because of the pressure and that we are putting on our spirit and that extra stress that we're putting on our spirit, we're actually stunting our growth towards doing what God has wanted us to do, towards reaching the heights that he has for us, towards actually him using us and glorifying himself through us. Not forgiving others will hold you back and it will hurt you. I um, didn't want to um, preach today without mentioning um, forgiveness towards someone else as well. Um, You know, forgiving others is one thing, and I know extending mercy to others is one thing, but when it comes to forgiving yourself, that's something altogether different, right? I don't know about you, but forgiving myself is actually, I find, a lot harder than forgiving other people. And I might get the banter to um, start coming up um, as well. Forgiving yourself is always harder. But when we don't forgive, right, when we don't forgive ourselves, it's kind of like God's given us this incredible gift and he has wiped this debt clean for us. But then we say, actually, no, God, I'm going to give that back to you because I can't accept that. What God has done is he's given us a gift that he could glorify himself through us. He's given us a gift that actually helps us to grow. It helps us to live out the life that he has called for us, right? So when we don't forgive ourselves, we're actually going against what God has asked us to do. We're actually putting ourselves above God in that moment. We are to accept the gift that he has given. The um, The other, I suppose, person that I wanted to touch on as well There's forgiving others, so that's one thing. Forgiving yourself, that's another. But I suppose I've been around church for long enough to know that there's a lot of people that hold a lot of bitterness also towards 
God. And I didn't want to speak about unforgiveness and and forgiveness as a concept without touching on this as well. Um, And I would say that if you do feel like, you know, this is something that is big for you, whether it is forgiving others, forgiving yourself or forgiving God, I would say if this is something that you find difficult, please find someone that you trust and go and talk to them about it. Help, let them pray with you, you know, let them, let them speak with you about it and talk it, talk it out. But when it comes to forgiving God, when we look at the incredible debt that he paid for us, does it kind of seem irrational to hold any debt of his towards us? When he's paid such a significant debt, that we couldn't even, you know, we can't pay for our sin. He, he did that because we couldn't do it for ourselves. To then hold a debt towards Him doesn't really seem to make sense. And I know that as Christians, it, it can be easy to look at, you know, be like, God, you, you know, you're an all-powerful God and, and my life should look like this. I, want, I, need, I need you to do this, so I'm expecting you to do insert, you know, insert the problem um, in my life, right? I'm expecting you to fix this for me. But the thing is, is that God actually doesn't owe us anything. God has our, has our best interest at heart. He is going to glorify himself through us. And what we think is right may not always be right. We have one person's perspective. We don't have a massive perspective, right? That God has. He has, He is all powerful. He sees all things. He knows all things. So if we are holding bitterness towards God, I'd suggest that maybe we need to work on changing our perspective a little bit. You see, forgiving from the heart, when it talks about the heart in the Bible, it's referring to our reason, to our emotion, and to our will as well. This suggests to me that forgiveness isn't so much an event or just a simple action, a once-off thing. It's actually an attitude of the heart. It's, it's more than an event. It's, it's what's on the inside coming out of you. So when we do this and when it's actually an expression of our heart, we're able to point people towards Jesus. We're able, because the thing is, is that when we do something that's unexpected by the world, it ends up pointing towards Jesus, Right. The world is all about how much. Like how much do we how much do they owe you? How bad was it? How long were they doing this for? How many times did they say that? You know, how much damage has it caused you? Whereas for us it's actually more about how much did he pay for you? How much has he forgiven you? When we live in a way that glorifies God instead of ourselves, when we get out of the way and actually let Him move, it means that we can point people to Jesus and we point people to the truth of Jesus. The world so often sees Jesus as this judgmental character, and yes, He is our judge, but He extends so much great, more grace to people than we could ever extend, right? So when we forgive others, we show that grace that He has and we point to the truth of Jesus. We forgive because he first forgave. Jesus has always set the example, and as Christians, we're to follow that. We should be known for being outrageously forgiving. Like we should be known for forgiving others when it doesn't when it makes absolutely no sense. Because that's the example that we have been set. Forgiveness isn't about what's been done against you, it's about what's been done for you. It's not really about them, to be honest. And it's not even, sorry to say it, not really even about you. It's all about Him. Our aim is to love God, to love people, and to glorify Him with our lives. 
And when we do this, when we take ourselves out of the picture and we take our own emotional response out of the picture, we can glorify Him. It's choosing a kingdom mindset over a worldly one. So I'm going to get everyone to stand. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.